You getting all this, Teresa? I, I feel, feel like-, like I'm a noob and I've been doing the wrong things. That lottery in particular brought the community together rather than people being angry at each other because I didn't get the release and you got the release and you don't know anything about vinyl and blah, blah, blah. But surely there was some lessons learned being your first oh, venture. Dear oh, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Toy Family, we're back, and this is the first episode of Season 3 of the Marsham Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham, And I'm Teresa Hawkins. So, Teresa, y'all relaxed from the holiday break? We had about a month off. Ready to get back to work? Uh, not as much as I'd like to be. I kind of want to be back on vacation. Well, George is doing that for us. He's out there in Florida, kicking up, relaxing at Disney World. I know. I'm jealous. I want to be there. <laughs> Me too. It was nice to take a few weeks off, go to Florida, visit family. So, yeah. Did you have a good Christmas break? Uh, yeah. No, I did. I spent most of it um, taking my two boys to every playground in the, the Tri-County area for the most part. And <laughs> uh, But that was fun. And then the other time was just trying to knock off things off of my checklist. Every vacation, as with probably most people, you know, a list of 20 things I wanted to do and probably only did about five of them, but I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get around to knocking out those things, but I'm ready to get back to podcasting season three. You ready to do it? Yeah, for sure. So for our first episode back, I thought we kind of might take a look back at last year. Maybe try to recall some of the best moments from the year and just wrap it up as best we can, which I'm not even sure is possible because it's all kind of a blur, but uh, uh, we're not yeah. going to do it alone. So I did reach out to a couple of people to come on and, and help us. So I've invited back a couple that is really ingrained in the toy scene and they pretty much, it seems like they have a pulse on everything. So um, they're responsible for all things clutter. That includes Clutter Magazine, the Clutter Gallery, the Production Studio. As if that wasn't enough, they're also responsible for the annual Designer Toy Awards. And then last year, they uh, introduced Five Points Festival. So let's welcome back to the show Miranda O'Brien and Josh Kinberg. You made me so tired. Turn, that's what we do. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> like, you really need to oh, step it up. I'm tired. I need to take a nap now. So I have a really important question. First off, and and this is probably for you, Miranda. Why oh. not? Why do I have to say two last names for a married couple? Why not take the Kimberg name? I, I because I'm lazy. That's really the only reason. I didn't change it when we got married. Because oh, so we were hiding. Because yeah, yeah. Because we were hiding it. So okay. you know. When we I, we oh. hid that we were married for a year. Yeah. Oh, okay. To protect the unknown. <laughs> well, I moved, I moved here when we got married in like, you know, two months or whatever. That was about as long as I was here, right, yes. when we got married. And so when I moved here, I got out of a relationship. I moved home to my parents and I said, I'm going to live in New York and kind of left. And so I didn't want them to be like, oh, now I'm married. And just okay. like put it all on them, all in one go. <laughs> So we were like, hey, we'll get married so that I can legally live here because we loved each other and wanted to get married. Um, but we didn't want to scare everybody. So we said, we'll do it in a year and we'll, we'll have a real wedding a year later and tell everybody. So then we had an engagement party after we were already married, <laughs> for which my parents came and everybody came, but we were already married. So we had a big engagement party. And um, and then we got pregnant before we were going to get do the whole marriage thing. So then we had to sit my parents down and tell them we were married. So I oh, applied your father yeah. with a 
mead was yeah. it mead or was it no barley wine yeah something like that i got mr o'brien <laughs> wasted on barley wine and, and i put my arm around him and i took out this photo album yeah and i said hey dad check this out and i <laughs> I started flipping through the pages and it was me and Miranda in Las Vegas getting married at the Little White Wedding Chapel. Yeah. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. And right. he was like, yeah, he was so happy. He was like, I love you, Josh. You saved me 10,000 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, well, That's so awesome. you change it when on the, on the wedding certificate, um, now I have to like do the whole thing of going through the process and it just takes long. And people know, people know me as O'Brien, so... Yeah, exactly. Well, don't feel bad, Josh. My wife hasn't taken on my name, last name either, and uh, which is pretty understandable given my last name of Ham. Like, who wants to take? I wouldn't want to take that on. I don't even want my last name. Well, she's kosher, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Usually kosher, but you know, I figure when someone doesn't take a last name, it's usually one of maybe three or four reasons. Right? It's usually the last name's terrible. You don't want to. You don't want to change it, or. Maybe you think the marriage isn't going to last long enough to bother changing it. Oh my god! Or you know, it's just easier to keep your name because you've already established yourself as a as an artist or a teacher or whatever, and just want to remain that last name instead of going the traditional route and changing it. Or it's just pure laziness, procrastination. It's laziness. I might hyphenate it, maybe be O'Brien Kimberg. Oh, there you go. That's a mouthful, yeah. though. The girls want me to change it. So I probably will soon. Yeah. When we were at um, DesignerCon, Teresa was introduced to me as Gary Ham. My full name to everyone. This is Gary Ham. This is Gary Ham. When you and Josh are together, yeah, how do you guys Gary. introduce it? Do you say this is this is Miranda, or do you say Clutter Maz, or do you say Clutter Josh? Like how do you, how do you guys introduce each other? We just I think we just say Josh and Miranda, right? It's funny because she many tells people... me not to speak. <laughs> can you imagine me telling him not to speak it's almost impossible it's funny because like Mars was my name for so long that everybody knew me as Mars yeah. and not and since I moved here it really just became Miranda and no yeah. one really knows me as Mars apart from if they're like OG people then they then that's all they call me as Mars so it's funny yeah. huh okay. yeah Gary I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't know what you were talking about because I'd never heard yeah. that it's fun. You've never heard Cloud or Maz? Yeah, okay. yeah, I was Maz forever. That was- See, I'm OG. Yeah, yeah, I you're OG, stuff. you know. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm not in that club. Oh, well, now you are. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I am. And Josh, you're a, you're a designer and sculptor, and you work under the name... Okay. <laughs> the clear this oh. up. Clear this up. What oh. name are you working oh. under today? Okay, I am officially American Gross. No. Now you're American Gross, but you used to be Death Chops. For five, so Death Death Chops was a concept that I had, but it just felt too dark. Well, because it okay. worked for like the Safubi releases and the like more kaiju-y looking monster stuff, and but it, then it, when you make like an octodony, which is like a cute octopus shape. Doesn't really make this. Yeah, like we were like struggling with it. And, real. and the reality is that like I'm I'm making a lot of different toys and sculptures and art across a lot of different genres. Yeah. And Death Chops just was only fits with the one. Really only fit toy that. Aspect. Yeah, it was like, and that's definitely one of my personalities. So I mean, I'm a big fan of Cool Keith. I don't know if you're into you know rap and hip hop, but you know he's one of my favorite hip-hop artists and he has like 33 personalities okay so if you're into like you know dr octagon dr doom 
the black elves. He's got no. he, some artists just have a lot of names, but no. So I'm. You can just call me American now. So he's gonna change his name every like, like, every three months. No, I'm, I'm, Peter Peter Cato's mad at me. We can change the name. So I change my name again. So no, I'm well, just I'm not it, changing. It's it annoying again. because anybody that changes their Instagram handle number one should be. No, it follows up. it now. It, it follows you now. Oh, it follows you now. Good. All right, we got that confusion cleared up. Yeah. yeah. I'm just I'm going just going for more. I'm going for more of an expansive. Title. Yeah. I had a you know I had an animation company for a long time, and one of my favorite shows that we did was called Pork Chops, and it was about donkey, and um, a donkey who um, you know trafficked in monkey meat and lots of other <laughs> awesome awesome things, and so the final episode of Pork Chops he dies, and so it had always been my dream to resurrect him because it was kind of like an unintentional death. We just didn't know how to end the episode, so we just killed everyone. <laughs> and it wound up being the last episode. So it was like, wow, we killed him. Yeah. So years after, you know, my company, you know, my animation studio and my me and my friends that that ran that and did all those cartoons, you know, I'd been kicking around the idea of like someday we should do another pork chops episode, but we'll resurrect him and he'll be called Death Chops. Ah. Uh, that's, that's where it came good. from. So in my mind, and you know, this, you know, when I changed my Instagram handle to Death Chops and started doing that, I was drawing all these pictures of like a donkey with an eye patch and like a blade in his hand, and he was coming back from the dead and like that. But I just, it was just wound up being too dark with half the stuff that we're actually putting out. Yeah. So I've caught. So I'm sorry, Peter Cato. I'm sorry, Triplicate. I'm sorry, Aaron from Mar Aaron from Martians gives me so much shit about it online. <laughs> <laughs> and if you call me about it, I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm not going to talk about it. You can talk about other things, but I'm not going to talk about that. So anyone I've said, I apologize. Oh, I forgive you. But for the listeners, anyone who may not be familiar with American Gross, um, a couple of releases that last year you know, you're probably familiar with was his Octo series, which was um, American Gross, where Josh had designed and sculpted. It was kind of looked look like a alienish octopus design, which was then double-casted. Um, inside both Hucky's blank and the um, the Dunny, so there was the Octo blank and the Octo Dunny, and uh, it looked great and was fabulous. And it seemed like it did uh, really well for you. It was a quite popular um, resident series. People people dug it. I mean, we're you know we just did a drop, not even like two right was before it, Christmas. It was right before Christmas, right? We did a drop on KidRobot.com. It was the day you crashed the car because we didn't even promote it online. <laughs> we didn't even Instagram it. We didn't do anything. We were like, oh shit that happened we missed it like it was it was a crazy day so yeah i was handcuffed and oh yeah yeah um yes. i didn't actually write I somebody mean, somebody hit, the hit back me of him. and yeah. destroyed the car no but so we did the octo dunny release we did we've done two colorways of that so far and then we did two colorways of the octo blank they're actually different sculpts but it's the same concept yeah. and then i also did the um the mothman night owl bedtime bunny I had saw. no idea that you were the actual sculptor. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. yep. He went to school for sculpture. Yeah. So I just learned something new every day. See, I think I yep. know stuff and you don't. I've got an I've got a new piece that I'm working on in the same vein that I'm excited about, which we'll probably show people in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. You guys are weird. Like I mentioned in the in the intro, that you guys wear multiple hats. I mean, I don't know how many different things that you guys have running all at the same time. Like, what is your official title? I mean, it sounds like you guys would be something like out of Game of Thrones, <laughs> Miranda, House of Clutter. Yeah. 
Lordus of the DTAs, you know, that sort of thing. Like, but, what but, what titles do you guys give you yourself? Have a crazy title? I, I do have a crazy title in my email. You do? Yeah. What's it say? Psycho-astrophysicist? No, I'm the astro-psychophysicist yeah. of clutter. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I have one anymore. I just usually call myself, like, the boss or something. The, the boss. No, it's like, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just the boss. Just, just call me the boss. Because... <laughs> How do you juggle your t- How do you juggle your time? You got so many like pans going on at the same time. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. There's that. There's always too much to do and never enough time. We need more yeah. alcohol to have this conversation. Never, never enough people to help either. Yeah, I mean, we see it. We see that it breaks down into like two, two main realms. There's the studio that's creating toys and sculptures. And that's tied to the gallery and the work mm-hmm. that we do with different artists and the different intellectual property that we're creating and working with artists to create. And then there's the realm of the magazine and the designer toy awards and the festival. Right. And I, mm-hmm. that, that's how I see it. Is that there's, in my mind, I conceive of it as two realms so I don't lose my mind. What did we used to call it? The, the, multi-headed, the, the multi-headed hydra. Hydra, yeah. But we killed, <laughs> we killed one of the, the main heads of the hydra this past year. Yeah, it's... um. It's really difficult when you have all those plates spinning to keep them all spinning consistently, which will probably be anybody's biggest complaint about us is the, is, you know, the, the consistency, like the lack of consistency across the board in what we do, because, you know, it's hard to focus on the magazine and product and festivals and like everything all at the same time. So, you know, inevitably something gives a little. And being a mom, you just gave birth to your third child just last year. Exactly. Yeah, he turns one tomorrow, actually. So, oh, wow. yeah, so and that's been that also makes it a very difficult year when you have, you know, a, a tiny baby like that. It's getting easy because it's a year old now, but that that year transition is, is really <laughs> difficult. And we, yeah, so we birthed the baby in a festival, and, <laughs> and that was crazy. I, I don't know how you did it, honestly. It's it's mind-boggling. And then, you know, as a business, you kind of have to go, you know, well, what's supporting the business here? So that also drives what you focus on on a day-to-day basis. You know, print's really difficult. So that's probably the... You mean the magazine? Yeah, print, the print, print, yeah, print magazine. Print magazine. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah. yeah. So that's probably the thing that suffers the most because getting support for that is probably the hardest, even though everybody wants that to be mm-hmm. leading force because, you know, there, there really aren't any other print magazines anymore. Yeah. So... It's difficult, but, you know, that's our kind of core of what we do is, you know, um, education, I would say. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And that's why I wanted, wanted you guys have, have you on the show because you run the magazines, you run the ETAs. And I figured, I do you guys remember anything about 2017 or is it a blur to you like it is me? It's a crazy blur. I, I mean, the last time we saw you was probably Decon, and that seems like that was like years ago now. I know, I know. And you got the whole pregnancy brain going on, so yeah. I don't expect you to remember much. But Josh, do you, how much do you remember about last year? So, uh, for me, I mean, I think the biggest trend of the whole year was the rise of Safabi. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. I I think the thing that for me dominated most of our most of the activity. That I saw, mm-hmm. and I and that's what we see going into 2018 as we well. We saw that at five points too, though, like surprisingly. At, that at that's five where the, the major excitement yeah. seems to lie. Yeah. You know, so when I look back at 2017, I remember you know those those kinds of drops pushing the most excitement. 
Right. I mean, so like you're, you're right on that because there were so many soft vinyl releases last year. I mean, Asia just seemed to have this new. Yes. I, I don't know. Asia, what was going on in Asia last year was just astronomical, constant lotteries, constant releases. You, you couldn't even stay on top of it. A lot and of- I, I, was, I was on the phone last night with Data Dub, yeah, Don, Don the, the man. man, and just talking about how, from a certain perspective, too, it's not even so much about Safabi, it's about soft vinyl well, because the rise of Chinese soft vinyl is not necessarily accepted, but it's being coveted in its own well, way. Well, I was going to say that it is being accepted now because it wasn't accepted and it wasn't acceptable. And now it is accepted and it is acceptable. And the, the artists that strictly would only work in Safubi are now working in soft vinyl too because, you know, all the factories got jammed up in Japan and the only way they could get mm-hmm. product was to go to China. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't go... I wouldn't give it a hundred percent pass. No, sure. But I would sure. give it like a, I would give it like a, a rising seventy-five percent. Yeah, there's been some good and some bad out of yeah. China. It, yeah, I mean, so for, for the listeners, let me try. But I think what you're trying to say is that so Safubi is a, it's a vinyl that's in the process that's only done out of Japan, and a lot of the stuff that we're seeing today is actually soft vinyl out of China. And there was a period of time where a lot of companies and, and toys were also. They were kind of being passed off as a Safubi product, and they weren't actually being upfront that it wasn't. But the, today, it seems like soft vinyl is a lot more acceptable. I, I think it's just important to not misname or uh, mislead people. You know, I think that a lot of the problems that we saw over the last eighteen months, two years, with people trying to sort of say, "Oh, this is Safubi," and it's like, no, it's yes. not. Yeah. It's soft vinyl. It's awesome. It's great. Mm-hmm. Don't call it right. Safubi. And not, not, not everything you don't works need, in Safubi. And you, and, you don't need it, and you don't need it to be. You don't have to no. lie. If it's great, it's great. And you buy what you like. And that's awesome. And that's the basis of collecting and everything that we do. But just don't lie. Right. Don't mislead people. If it's right. not so wait a minute. made in okay. Japan, don't say it was made in Japan. Yes. <laughs> so Go on. You getting all this, Teresa? Okay, I've got a question. I feel like I'm a noob and I've been doing the wrong thing. So is <laughs> is um is Sofubi only synonymous with Japanese made? You are correct. So Ding. saying so so Sofubi and soft vinyl are not synonyms. Correct. They are, they not. are not. I did not know this. Mm-hmm. Champagne <laughs> only comes from the region of Champagne. Exactly. If it comes from anywhere else, it's sparkling wine. I feel so enlightened. So how do I know what I? <laughs> how do I know what I have? And what? And you know what? Teresa? Oh. Asti Spumanti is fucking awesome when you're wasted, and it's not fucking champagne. It's uh, goddamn I, cheap Italian if sparkling wine. If it's a wine. Fubi, it will be stamped <laughs> Japan somewhere on it. Yeah. Not everything works in Safubi. You can't pull every design in well, Safubi. A I mean, lot of it doesn't. It's and, very specific. And so. main, you know, the, there's there's technical differences. Yeah. And it really depends on the factory, because it's possible to produce things the way it's produced in Japan elsewhere, but also a lot of times the stuff that's coming out of China really isn't produced the same way. Right. I just seriously had no idea. I'm literally standing at a shelf right now and flipping all my toys over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Teresa, the majority of your stuff is soft vinyl. That's what I was thinking. Sofubi. Now, is your whooper Sofubi, Gary? That is Sofubi. Okay. But mo- I think the majority, I think you're right, Gary. The majority of what I have that in my head I was thinking was Sofubi is in reality actually just soft vinyl. 
Right. Yeah, when I think about your collection, I'm picturing Instinct Toy, um, Unbox. You see, it's grey, though. There's a lot of grey there. And we even struggle with it, especially like Instinct Toy. Like, some of it's a foobie and some of it isn't. And we get into trouble sometimes with the Design and Toy Awards when we're trying to work out what falls into what category. There's been cases where things have fallen into the wrong category because sometimes it's so hard to tell now. And even with a team of people that all sit around scratching their heads trying to categorize <laughs> things, we can still get it wrong. And we'll like we'll ask the manufacturers, we'll ask the artists, and we can you know it's it's difficult. It is the more difficult now. But yeah, no, don't feel bad, Teresa, because <laughs> there there were a number of manufacturers over the last couple of years that didn't want you to know the difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I mean. I'm like flipping around. So like I have a, the fluffy Nagora from Konatsu and like I flipped over, it says made in Japan. So in my head, that's probably so foodie. But like when I compare it to like my Elfies from Unbox, which more than likely are soft vinyl, personally, I can't really tell a difference. And maybe that's the point, but what, what should I be noticing? Like what's different? It doesn't, you know what? It's whatever you like. It's whatever you like. If you, you know, because I'll tell it, I don't think it's, and I'm, you no, back no, me up. Yeah. If you're collecting to, ha, to love your collection, it doesn't matter what you buy. Right. If you're a purist and you're collecting for those reasons, then you'll go down that road and, and figure that out. I gotcha. Oh you man. Know. So even a Chima group is, uh, so foobie. <laughs> Yeah. Man, I feel so. I'm literally like <laughs> learning so much. I'm going through my shelves, and I feel so the smart shapes now. The, toys, the shapes of the toys, the way they're jointed, that uh, all there's all kinds of giveaways in the toys. If you want to get right, if you want to get the difference, if you want to get the difference between slush casting and roto molding, and we can you know break down like how things are jointed for slush casting and how things are jointed for roto molding and what's possible in terms of the tolerances and. You know, there's just a lot that goes into, and we're not even, the, you know, we're not, we're, not, even experts. we're not even experts on it, but we know more than the average bear about it. Yeah, it's <laughs> intriguing. We, so it's really, it's really, it's, it's both about. Experts, but there are people who know way, way more, way, way more than us. Yeah. We're not yeah. standing. Yeah. Exactly. But so it's not just a combination of the fact that it's made in Japan, but it's also the actual process used to create. Yeah. Every 100%. everything everything that you would call safubi was made by hand, and it's slush cast. So that means that a person stood there and made each piece of that toy by hand. Whereas, cool. whereas most of what's being made in China is loaded into an oven and rotationally spun and pulled and it's touched by human hands but it it, it requires a, a, a less a lower degree of expertise to execute Gary I don't want to bore but I I, re I really want to know what slush cast is <laughs> I know it sounds like something that, that makes slurpees yeah. basically basically in a nutshell you pour the vinyl in you pour the vinyl out that's how you slush cast it. Like no. you pour it in, you stir it around, you pour it out again. You slush out the waste, right? It's not. It's not, it's not waste because you can reuse it. You but do you reuse slush it. it out. That's the slush. Okay. Cast. Imagine it's you're making donuts, and you're and you're you're putting the donuts into the oil, and you're and you're taking the donuts out of the oil, as opposed to it being made by a machine and being stamped out of a machine. Like are you making? 
If you hand making donuts as opposed to putting them in a factory assembly line and coming right. down. Um, right. Okay. Like okay. You, okay. Okay. It's not. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, so I, find I find that baking analogies work, work really well. <laughs> for making, because a lot of it's like it's all the love that goes into making something, and then you cook it, and then you know it either works or it doesn't work, and then you can ice it and kind of fix it, or you can't. <laughs> Uh, um, it's so hard doing this over audio. I'm sure it's just driving some people yeah. nuts. Um, but Teresa, I'll send you some videos. I'll show you the differences. Yeah. Well, I think, it, okay, like Stick Up Monsters, who's making the, um, and I'm going to fail. It's the little Oh, the, the one in Echoes. Um, Javier. Yeah, Javier Jimenez. Jimenez. His process, like he's been sharing some process videos of them making his different characters. I believe that's the Sufubi slush casting. Am I right, Gary? Yeah, yeah. His um, cast okay. are now only being done in Sufubi, he said. And yeah, and those videos are coming from Science Patrols. If you want to look it up on Instagram, it's science underscore patrols. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the level of harder they put in, basically, to make the plastic softer or harder. Well, that's all. Yeah. That's all. All vinyl. Yeah, right. But uh, talking about Onbox, they now have a factory in Japan. So just to make it even more confusing. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. More yeah, this is all getting confusing. It all blends into one. Yeah, and then the difference between the term roto molding and roto casting is, you know, roto molding is when you have a hard mold and you're pulling a soft material out of a hard mold. And roto casting is when you have a soft mold. And you're pulling a hard material out of a soft mold. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> We're doing a great job it. covering 2017. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you, Josh, in the fact that, you know, it does seem a lot of the releases that we were trying to nail down. Like, what's one thing that could describe 2017? Is it pins? Is it VAG series? Is it Safubi or soft vinyl or licensed toys? And I think you're right. I mean, it just comes down to all of the the toys coming out of Asia, whether it was Safubi yeah. or soft vinyl. Well, and if you remember, Gary, like we would, because you know we always bounce back and forth things we see. And I remember, I remember distinctly, like not just the amount of Safubi, but the amount of colorways. Like, do you remember how often we'd see? another clear oh. colorway or a glitter colorway or a yeah. glitter clear colorway or like all the time we were like oh my gosh there's another one there's another one there's another one it's like not only were they making them they were making an enormous amount of colorways too but it's a it's yeah. a flipped model to the historical model of designer toys because designer toys used to be you know you 500 pieces or 300 pieces was considered quite limited at the beginning and now those pieces that you're talking about may have extended versions colorways but they're only 25 50 pieces so it's like a, no, that's a good point yeah no that's what you, i'm getting to the point where i almost don't want to jump in on anything because i feel like in one or two weeks i just sit and there's gonna be like like, like the ice cream dinos how many ice cream dinos have there been in the last I don't know, four or five months. And I feel like, is this the colorway that I'm going to pull the trigger on? Or is there going to be another amazing colorway released in another two weeks? I just never know when to pull the trigger. But you're right. I mean, there's so many releases. And just you want to talk about how do you just, what would you call marbling and glitter? Is that a treatment? Um, or is that a effect? type of style? Like how, how do you, a, a, an effect? It's a, it's a good question. <laughs> I would call it a colorway. I call it a colorway too. 
I guess. No, but it's not a color way. I mean, but it is. I mean, in a way. The same process of changing the color of the vinyl, like adding glitter. You're saying that it's it's painted glitter or it's glitter in the vinyl? No, when it's glitter in the vinyl, like when you when you call the factory, yeah. you don't just tell them I want another. You're actually telling them you want to add glitter or right. you want the marbling effect. I mean, I would say it's more of a an effect than like just in the colorway because it's, it's actually in the vinyl itself. Right. I, I guess so. I don't know. So is the color though. And it really yeah. is like, I mean, definitely marbling is like a technique, right? So that's. Yeah, I think people would still probably refer to it as a colorway, Gary, even though it's not technically a color. But I would consider, like, I would consider if I had three of the same toy and one was blue, one was clear, and one was glitter, I'd probably call those three different colorways, even though that doesn't maybe make sense. But it makes sense. <laughs> there was a, there was a lot of clear and a lot of glitter in 2017. Yeah, for sure. But that's but yeah. because of the the rise of the Safuli and the soft vinyl. You can't, you know, that's really the only thing you can do clear, clear and glitter in like that. Well, yeah. I'm gender fluid, so I really like all the glitter and the marble, yeah. you know, and it just really expresses my inner little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all well, about it. Like, there's no, you just can't have enough. That's cool. There's a lot of experimentation going on. That's a yeah, I was just gonna say like most of thing. most of the artists that work in that genre are arcing back to the heyday of that genre. They'll pick paint jobs that arc back to original Safubi and Kaiju figures. So you know, it's not that they're necessarily creating a new. It's that usually they're looking backwards and and recreating it. I think what's what's interesting is what you were saying about the rise of the Asian market. I always see that as a good sign because, you know, historically there's been waves of collectors and, and the design and toy industry goes up and it goes down. And the fluctuations are usually, you know, you see them in Asia first. You get like these giant market bubbles and then the bubble kind of bursts a little bit. But the, you know, the Western side of it then picks up and the, the market in America grows because that's where it started. Right. You know, when it started over in, in Asia and then it moved over here and the Asian market kind of died down a little bit and there was a boom and then it's kind of gone back and forth over the years. You can watch that wave go back and forth. So the fact that that's booming over there for the last year or so gives me great hope that the next year and the year after here will be even better. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like it's a, uh, we're in a relay race. We're just running the track, passing yeah. the baton back and forth. But right now, I mean, running hard and fast, this leg of the race, you know, the baton is definitely in Asia's hands. And, uh, you know, speaking of Asia, again, like one of the things I definitely noticed last year was throughout a lot of the Asian releases was the prevalence of lotteries and the way the lottery system is being used to gain the right to then purchase a toy. It seems like most of the releases, Teresa, would you say most of the releases you bought were through lottery? Uh, for me to be able to buy them? Um, it depends. You know, some stuff like the, the, you know, the vinyl artist gotcha series is a little different, right? That's becoming a little easier for us to get stuff like that. Um, but when it comes to like a new hair gone, like Teresa Chiba's toy, um, and Hakar Bambi and even Instinct Toy and some of that, yes. Like the only way I've been able to obtain some of that stuff lately has been through stuff like lotteries. So I think it depends, but it definitely seems like not only they're opening more lotteries, but they're being like I'm finding more international lotteries that I can enter in to give me a chance to get stuff, which has been really nice. Um, even like that, remember that space guy we were talking about uh, before we went on break that. The Gumtara one? Yeah, like even that we came across, and 
so it does seem like there's there's more and more ways, especially through like Instagram even, like people posting there and you just shoot over an email and it does seem like it's becoming uh, a bigger thing. Are you talking about things that are SFUBI and um, Kaiju releases? Or are you talking about regular vinyl releases? Both. Honestly, sometimes you don't even know if it's a FUBI or you know soft vinyl, or but it just seems like it's primarily only with Asia releases. I mean, it can be Unbox, Instinct, or just an individual artist selling toys. A lot of them coming out of Hong Kong, so those are going to be soft vinyl, I assume. But you know, it seems like just to buy the you know to get the rights to buy those toys, you have to enter some sort of email lottery and then they'll let you know if you can make that purchase and it's even that way with artists i've never even heard of their first toy released ever is being done through a lottery system as well yeah that is that is that world there's lots of different reasons for it i guess everyone has their own reason for it but you're calling out that you know that trend is starting to dominate a lot of different areas and people trying to jump on that lottery bandwagon i guess you know and we can discuss the reasons for lottery and why Mm-hmm. It makes sense, but then it also can feel. Uh, it's supposed to be a fairer exclusive. way. Yeah, it's supposed to make it fairer to get the you know the toys and make it so it's not so exclusive to the people that are in the it, know. It it can but, level the playing field, and it but, can also make it even yes, more exclusive. Exactly. Because you got depending on the time. who they are, you got to put in the time. Yeah. Yeah. It. I. I see it in certain cases making sense. In some cases where maybe it's a newer toy and you don't have popular it can be you know it, I mean, it's hard it's a mix i mean there's i've i've bought in a variety of ways ways right like i've set an alarm to wake up at 3 a.m to get on a website and f5 it and try to get get a thing and i've sent emails i've you know you do kind right. of it all so I've, I've kind of done it all so i'm kind of used to it but i get the idea of it i mean if it's if it's something that you expect there to be thousands and thousands of people interested and you only have a hundred I mean, I can see that it, it helps make it a little easier, but there, you know, there's, I could, I could kind of say that there's pros and cons to all the different approaches. It's, I, I see it, no, but I see it's the only fair way because, it, you know, going back to what I said before that most people are making 25, 50, uh, even 100 pieces of something. Most artists or even manufacturers can't afford a website that can handle that traffic of that many people say you oh, have say you have 50 pieces yeah yeah so you have yeah. you have you know 50 pieces and you have 300 people trying to buy it all at the same time you know most people can't afford a website that can deal with that or it'll go into everybody's car and everyone from, will from, fight about it and then from, right from, from, right from well okay from a technical from a technical from a technical perspective Right. From a technical point and from a collective point, but, it doesn't work no, either. But but as a as someone who sells Sofubi or creates, you know those that that kind of creates you know neo kaiju kaiju. Right. The argument also goes that they've put their hard work into creating that toy. Yeah. And they don't want other people profiting off of the sales of those toys. So if somebody could walk in and buy twenty of them. And then go sell 19 of them on eBay for more money. Mm-hmm. They're they're capitalizing on that person's market. So the other side of the, the lottery system is not just to make it fair right. to the collector; it's to make it fair to the, the artist, so that their work isn't being sold on a secondary market. What I thought was really cool at Five Points was watching Instinct Toy run their lotteries because you know they were 
probably the most popular thing at Five Points. Like the the crowd around their releases was insane. They dominated, uh, but also the Mutant Vinyl Hardcore release was sure, sure. Both releases were were, were yeah. exciting to watch. What was really exciting about Instinct's toy was they made it like a theatrical experience. Like it was an yeah. event. Just to watch them do the lottery was like really cool. It was like an experience just to be there. And I thought that was a really nice way to, you know, take Toy Buy into the next level and bring in the people around into that experience. Yeah, no, I was there. I was I was with the wristband participating, trying to win something for a friend. So Right. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. It was really fun. Like it was right. exciting and everyone was cheering and yeah, yeah. Like I felt like that, that lottery in particular brought the community together rather than people being angry at each other. Cause I didn't get the release and you got the release and you don't know anything about vinyl and blah, blah, blah. Like you get it. <laughs> those things. That's yeah. what I like that. They're, the crowd there were really like supporting each other. It was really yeah, nice. No. Right. Uh, we would cheer, like everyone would be so excited when someone won, and everyone would be cheering, yeah. watching them walk up. Yeah, it was super fun. But I, and I totally get what you're saying. I mean, you make it completely makes sense to both make it a, ver- a, a fair playing field for those buying and keep it fair for the artist. So, I, and honestly, like I'm all for a lottery. If it means there's a window to shoot an email over a couple days and I can just shoot it when I can and not have to wake up at three in the morning, stressing, pressing a million buttons, trying to check out as fast as I can to hopefully get this thing I want. I mean, right. it's, it's definitely less stressful of a process. Does it take um, you're just up to- excitement though? Like does that I mean, excitement of sitting there at three o'clock in the morning, like pressing, pressing, <laughs> pressing and getting it? Like, does it take that away is the question, I guess? Cause there's something to be said I mean, about it's it's a different kind of excitement right like there's the rush of being in the moment but there's also a lot of stress with it too so um i mean there's still like that level of like i've submitted my email and i'm waiting and have they sent them out yet and am i gonna get one and did i win and it's still exciting when you get the email that you won so i think there's still a level of excitement there it's just a a different way of 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 experience it but it's kind of nice to uh not necessarily deal with all the stress of uh, you know trying to obtain something so i i know it'll be interesting to see you know if it how much it sticks around and how much it permeates and you know i know unbox did some for designer con this year to try to help um let some people obtain pieces so it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues and if more and more people keep adopting it yeah and another trend was pre-orders. So a lot of companies are now, instead of fully funding something up front, they're kind of helping, you know, subsidize some of the uh, production manufacturing costs and all that by doing pre-orders early, and then you might receive the toy six or nine months down the road. I mean, I really noticed that was a really a lot more toys being released through pre-orders. Yeah, I think that's been happening for the past you know few years though. And you know, when the market's yeah. the way it is, that's really the only way as a production company you can succeed now you know gone are the days when you can make 500 pieces and sell them in an hour you know talk to any of the toy stores and talk to any of the manufacturers it just the market just isn't there for it now so you know you want to invest in all this awesome new product you have to make sure that you can release the next one after that too so you know pre-orders are great for that finding that the market's there now with the pre-order system having been around for several years now i mean do you think that collectors are still really anxious and supportive of a pre-ordered product where you pay something, a lo- sometimes a large oh. amount of money, and you have to wait six, nine months. Do you think that's sort of dying out? Where, with, Especially where there's so many releases coming out now. I certainly don't want to drop 150 or $300 on something and then 
you know, another amazing release pops up and I can't buy that, but that one's readily available now. But instead, my money went towards something I had to wait nine months for. Like, do you think the collectors still like the pre-order system or is it dying out at all? I, I don't think I like it. I don't think anybody likes it really. But, and you know, unless the market's stronger, you're not going to be able to avoid having a pre-order system on things. I mean, the, I mean, the the one that like is there is three zero. You know, three A mm-hmm. with Ashley Wood. They're all their stuff's pre-order, and it's a really it's long turnaround. Yeah, six months. Yeah, and but you know, the toy's great in the end, so everyone's happy. It's it's difficult. Yeah, but it's really difficult. It's, I understand why collectors don't like it, but until until the situation gets better in the market, I just can't see it changing. I really can't. Yeah. I- I totally get the need for it, but as a collector, I'll tell you it's painful. Oh. I think it's <laughs> I think it's it's painful for a variety of reasons because sometimes honestly there's a toy I pre-order and I forget. And like yeah, yeah. six months later I get this box and I'm like, what is this? And I open it. I'm like, oh my God, like I completely forgot. I bought that thing. And sometimes your tastes have changed and maybe you're not as into it or time has passed. And the other times though, it's just, you know, it's the opposite. It can be a super happy surprise. But I think usually for me, I'm just impatient. So it's the weight that's kind of painful because you know, you want it now. <laughs> you yeah. want it. Super frustrating. It also makes it really difficult for the Zyna Toy Awards too, because you know you look for dates of when things were released, and you're like, oh yeah, that that fits in, but then it doesn't come out for another year, so it pushes it to the next year. <laughs> so, so, so as far as an award, it only counts when it's in the people's hands, yeah. not at the time of pre-order. Exactly. So that's that's wow. you know that's been a stumbling block a few times. That's way too much research. Yeah, it's difficult because it's hard to find the, the times and the dates sometimes, too. You can find when it was put on sale, but you can't necessarily find when it shipped. So it's fun. Do you all keep, like, a giant? So when we were trying to think through, so, like, in before this episode, we were like, you know, it, it's really hard to remember everything that released in a year. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's a lot. And so we were like, man, like, who does anyone keep track of that? Like, do you all have, like, for the DTA, some kind of tracking system, like, as the year goes on to help know and remember stuff? I, I wish we did because it would make life much easier. We, we rely on people putting in their nominations. And, you know, when people get upset that they weren't nominated, it's like, well, you know, you have to put your releases in there. Someone has to put your release in there. So we do spend so many hours putting in as many things as we can think of and find after the fact but you know i i, I don't know what the system is for that but there should be one i agree <laughs> there should be. and i totally respect what you guys are doing now because i think what she was talking about uh, miranda is that we're putting together the marshami awards oh. and it's been a challenge and a struggle kind of figuring out what was released all throughout last year but you know our awards are nothing like yours ours are just stupid they're, they're, I mean, they're silly and they're not meant to be taken serious in any way. There's, there's nothing, it's nothing like the designer toy awards where people are going to be receiving an amazing Pete Fowler award and they're going to be proud of what they're, they achieved and accomplished. Like, no, ours are the, almost the exact opposite of that. Uh, it's been a lot of fun coming up with the categories and stuff. Um, so it's, I, I, you know, but with saying that, I think our biggest struggle is yeah, as we've been having fun with the awards, and it sounds like a great idea. But then the challenge of it is, we're only an audio podcast, right? So it's it's not going to be that interesting visually. It's you know, no one's going to be coming up and accepting in their awards. So I think when it comes time to do the awards, like all this time and effort that we've been putting into it, it's just going to only end up being five minutes because we don't end up being boring. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we're excited to hear what the categories are. Sounds awesome. They're not, they're not stupid. They're silly. Well, yeah, they, they are silly. I mean, they're lighthearted fun, but we actually haven't narrowed down exactly which direction we're going either. Have you guys ever heard of the Dundee Awards on The Office? Uh, yeah. So, okay, so some of them are kind of like that. Yeah. And then some others are kind of more like the MTV Awards, where it might be best dressed toy, best dressed artist, best hair in a toy, best hair in an artist. Right. And, you know, but then some of the other categories might, might be like best bromance or, um, <laughs> or you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of another one. It's like best package or maybe like largest package oh, yeah. in a toy Whoa. or something like, like that. Biggest? You know? biggest uh, package? Well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, another one yeah. is uh, best moves on a toy. <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> we've thought about doing like Razzie style awards and like every time we've gone down that hole it's, it's just we've been like we can't do person that person who's asked to win an award the most to win an award the most times an award for asking yeah I mean yeah. I know what you mean though because some of the ones especially some of the Dundee ones that were coming up with like they're almost inside jokish it's like some of the Dundee ones are like uh, best rant award <laughs> Or uh, another one is, pff, forget no names. I just call everyone Dude Award. <laughs> so those are an example of a few of the more Dundee type ones. But I don't think artists yeah, in general have, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. have a sense of humor for it. Most people don't, unfortunately. Yeah, we were going to do, ours was called Toy Fail. Oh, we were going to do a website. That was years ago. We were a website oh, called Toy Fail. Cool. And it was really for all the toys that didn't stand up. That was. Good. That's good. All these toys. Let's start another blog called Toy oh, Foul, and we'll God. just post the ones that fall down. And then we were like, "Huh, we can't do that. That's not going to go down like, well." Like no so one's going to think this is funny. People are going to be pissed. We designed, but it's so true. Uh. <laughs> do you guys mind if we use the the best toy that doesn't stand yeah, up award? Please. Yeah. Uh, call it Toy Foul. Toy Foul. I'll add it. Toy Foul. Toy Foul. I'll add it to the doc. And yeah. if you want. I'll send you our list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any any help we can get. Oh, uh, you know, you know which one I can call out because it's just been so long. The, the snores. Oh yeah, the snores. The... Oh, God. Yeah. The that's one? the big snores. It has fallen over so many times. There's no paint left on its head no. on the top. Of the head. Oh man, <laughs> it's bad. And I love that. And oh, and that's the thing when you come into our gallery, the snores is up it's top bad. with all the big toys that are on top of the shelves. And it's upside down. Yeah. It's sit. We just. It's been sitting on its head <laughs> for probably six years now. Yeah. Because it can't stand. And you know what's funny? We argue about whose snores that is because we it's, both have a snores. It's definitely my you snores. You keep saying Well, why the fuck is my snores? I think you left it. No, I didn't you. leave I think it your in first England. husband kept it. No, I didn't leave it in England. <laughs> That's funny. We were just talking about what happens when married couples collections joins forces. But also, uh, George was saying that he bought a snorse on the secondhand market, like at some fire sale somewhere. And yeah, he was saying his doesn't stand up. Oh, they don't stand up. They don't stand up. Not one. Well, remember, Gary, it's not like they've solved it completely, considering my latest mail day. (laughs) (laughs) You just sent me that video over the weekend, and yeah, it was ridiculous. We got to... We should probably mention that one in some future reveal. Man, I mean, oh yeah, well, you know, that final it gets hot and it bends and they all fall down. <laughs> well, speaking of falling down, let's get let's get picked up with some sponsors. So the Marsham Toy Hour has some awesome sponsors. So whether you collect soft fubi or soft vinyl or western vinyl or whatever pins, whatever your thing is, we got some awesome stores to visit. There's 3DRetro.com and 3D Retro is also located out there in 
Burbank adjacent in beautiful Southern California. So pop on by if you're in the area. And there's also strangecattoys.com. If you use promo code DOPE at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your entire order. You can't beat that. And to stay on top of news and releases, be sure to follow and visit spankystokes.com and thetoychronicle.com. And if apps are your thing, be sure to download the Toy Chronicle app at your favorite app store. And if you would like to become a sponsor of the show or you just have questions, comments, or any suggestions for future segments, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at marshamtoyhour at gmail.com or give us a call and leave us a message at 480-420-9823. And we also have a Marsham community on Facebook. So join us at, uh, just search Marsham Toy Hour on Facebook. It's the stomping ground, and that's usually where we carry on the conversation of what we discussed that week and have general fun and questions throughout the week. So give us a join, Marsham Toy Hour on Facebook. All right, let's get back to it. Well, let's talk about the the best thing that happened last year. And I, I'm going to say, and I believe Teresa will agree, was Five Points Festival. Woo! Well, I did not see that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm serious. Like, as a first year event, I, I went to it knowing knowing it was be cool. I mean, you guys are behind it and it has awesome backing, but I did not expect it to be as awesome as it was. Like, it really exceeded all expectations, and that's not just coming from me. I mean, I heard that from every vendor that was there and exhibitors. Like, everyone just thought it was an amazing event. So, congrats on that. Thank you so much. Um, it it outdid our expectations too. It was awesome. Um, I think that everyone's been waiting for a, a new home in New York. So, it, it, you know, the event was just, everyone was waiting for it. So they were like, yay, an event in New York. And, and everyone and jumped it, on and, it. And, and, it, it and it wasn't broken. No. It worked. Yeah. Like nothing about yeah. it was, you know what I mean? So we were able to kind of slide into that, 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 that spot that was opening people's hearts. Right. But surely there was some lessons learned being your first oh, venture. Dear oh my God! God. <laughs> <laughs> want, do you want to tell us some? Um, oh. The trials and tribulations we of running thought, an event. I'll say I'll say this one thing this way: yeah. we thought we were going somewhere. We thought we were going to a, a venue that did not have a union problem. A union problem. A union problem. Like the Javits. Like if anyone's ever exhibited at New York Comic Con, they know the woes that is the Javits Center and the Union of New York. Like it's- and right, and the way you can get like just treat mistreated by a union. Yeah. And you know uh, the venue in the end that we used last year, it was there were so many hidden union problems that we kind of walked away going like, wow, that was. That was, that was messed crazy. up. Yeah. I mean, that venue was amazing. We loved that venue. We would have liked to have gone back this year, but it was exorbitant. Like It wound up. There were yeah. so many hidden fees. Yeah. So the, I'll tell you, the rent went Oh, from, no, no, no. Oh, don't, don't, on. don't. <laughs> you don't want me to. I don't know. I don't think it's. I would, let's just say that it cost double. It was more than double. It, it was more than double the oh, wow. estimated cost, cost. Yeah. of the venue. That was a big problem. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, for sure. And so put start start with a big number because you're renting in Manhattan. Yeah. Then double. That. Yeah. And then add some more on the top. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And this is all coming after the fact too. Like yeah. you've already planned what the estimated what the booth pricing well, is going to be, the attendee pricing. This is afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And then and it's not quite happening afterwards. It's sort of like it's happening as like you're flying into a mountain because the event has to happen. <laughs> right. So as, yeah. as you're getting closer and closer to the event and they're opening doors and revealing hidden fees, you're just kind of having to go like, okay, okay. 
Well, okay, because I guess, you know, this is going to happen. And so it's funny that we already knew that we were going to run into some of those hidden fees because we'd been warned later on in the process by some other people that had used that venue. So we were aware of some of them. And then there were others that just like, oh, my God, what? I mean, the so. one thing that the one number that I love telling people that yeah. I think it's fair to say is the reason that we didn't have a DJ yeah. was because they wanted $2,500 to plug in the turntable. They wanted wanted $2,500 for an electrician, for a union electrician to plug in the turntable. $2,500 on Sunday for the same, for the union electrician to come in and unplug. Oh my gosh. Wasn't it double on Sunday because it was double time? Yeah, it was, but it was, so it was $5,000 to plug. For DJ. Not even even for the DJ. Not even for the DJ. (laughs) Just to plug it in. In the turntable. So we that's ridiculous. Turn, but it was free for us to um to have a playlist. Yes. <laughs> we were Oh that's that's very generous. Yeah, so we were, we were generous. allowed to just very we were generous. allowed to pipe through the existing speaker system for free. Oh my gosh. I mean Tesla himself wouldn't charge that much to plug something in, but I'm sorry. I mean oh, sorry oh, you had to deal with this sort of stuff. But you know, you'll be changing venues next year, so it probably won't be as bad, I guess. Yes, we're gonna be at the Brooklyn Convention Brooklyn Expo, Expo Center, Center this year. Yeah. Non union? No, because it's in it's Brooklyn. Brooklyn, so there's no union. No union. I'm looking forward to it. I've never been to Brooklyn, so I'm actually really looking okay. forward oh, to it. It's beautiful. Good. It's, it's, it's a good beautiful spot. space. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. It has space. the same indoor outdoor vibe, and it has nice bathrooms. It has gorgeous <laughs> bathrooms, and also it's all windows. Yeah, it is. It's, nice. There's no. It's all. It's a beautiful, beautiful space. So yeah. honestly, it sounds way too classy for us. <laughs> we'll fuck it up. Don't worry. <laughs> You know, Teresa and I were talking about designer toy people, and if you were dating one, <laughs> what would your parents think when you brought oh them home? Oh my god, it's the it's the, my favorite thing is always the adult toy thing. You know, but these oh, the toys, adult, but that's yeah. for adults. Adult. That seems to have gone away a little bit. Nobody really uses that term anymore. Thank God, because yeah. it's just awful. Yeah, I, I remember my when I was back in England, one of my neighbors told my other neighbor that I like. I worked with adult toys, so they thought that I threw these sex parties and like <laughs> this whole rumor yeah, went yeah. around. Like this <laughs> such sick. a bad term. Adult toys. Adult toys. That's that's actually a Marshami category. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's something like the artist that has more adult toys than designer toys award. Right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, exactly. We are still yeah. taking nominees for that category. There's some really cool stuff in our collection that like everyone comes in and thinks they're like Adult toys. Oh, because the car has so many adult toys. Yeah, you know we have a lot of vaginas and penises from him. So, oh gosh, we we actually have. I'm really probably. I'm a huge. I love Carlos as a person, and I'm a huge fan of his work. I was a fan before I was a friend, and when you know, so I mean, have you seen his work? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but uh, Teresa, you should Google search Carlos Enrique's Gonzalez toys. You should Google yeah, that, Teresa. You you should yeah. Google the higher fanny. So we have like a really awesome collection of Hierophanies and and a bunch of the fiberglass stuff that Carlos does and, and a number of things from him. And uh, I think on his second or third trip to the gallery, he brought us one of the penis counterparts to the Hierophany. Yeah. And the awesome story behind it is that the first time he brought one to a gallery show, he had them pulled in black in Safubi, and it's a penis on legs. And he, he brought it out at this gallery opening and someone used the D word. They called it a dildo. And he got so upset 
that he killed the whole run and they were never made. So he only had these three black penis prototypes and he brought, he brought one the last time he came to the U S. So we have, I think it's the only one in the U S I think that area of the collection is the most talked about and looked at everyone comes, they bring (laughs) their friends to the next gallery show just to show them the vagina toys. It's like, yeah, it really doesn't get old. No, it does. We walk in there like oh, vaginas. Yeah, <laughs> Teresa, I don't th- don't look it up, but I think the best way to describe it would just imagine a vagina with legs and arms, or a penis with legs and arms. You know, that's kind of what some of his stuff would look like. Yeah, but, sounds but totally like me. He, <laughs> he would not agree with that definition. No. Right, but as a novice, as a novice that's, that's how I would describe exactly. that. That's what you yeah. see exactly. And that's the crux of a lot of the arguments around his work. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I right. would. Uh, there, there's, there'd be one thing, right, to bring someone in from the Donner Coy community to meet my mother, but another to have toys like that around my house. <laughs> It'd be uh, interesting to explain myself. I have a very traditional uh, mother. <laughs> my parents are very old school. <laughs> yeah, it's, you probably shouldn't start collecting stuff that you have to put in the closet when the parents come over. Yeah, I don't know. One day, I don't know. One day, one day, Gary, maybe I'll surprise myself. Who knows? But there you go. Right now, I, I keep mean, it keep it pretty G and PG rated around here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I used to think of you as primarily like a, a, just a cute or kawaii type collector, but I think last year you started, you got a little more sophisticated of a toy collecting palette. Now you started branching out a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are times I know I've shared stuff, and you're like, you like that, and I'm like, I know, I don't know why, and you're like, man, this is going to get dangerous because if you start opening the doors, oh yeah, you know, it's a whole new thing. Yeah, it's going to get, it gets sure. dangerous, right? You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean. All the time, Gary and I talk about how, like, I feel like I know a lot about designer toys, but mostly in the sector that I collect. So right. taste that I really understand. But there's a whole other, I know that there's a whole other sectors out there that I've just not delved into or I don't understand fully or they're not to my taste. So, like, I know there's plenty more out there. So if I start opening the gates to, like, explore one other area, man, I already have plenty around here, but I could sure <laughs> <laughs> add to it. Yeah. So what else? What else was a memorable or maybe like a shocking moment of last year? Oh, oh what about Huck leaving? Oh, yeah. Huck. That seemed to have shocked the community quite a bit. Yeah, but Huck's never going to go away. Come on, it's John knew it was going to come back. Sometimes you just have to yeah. be like, yo, I have to take a break. And these are the reasons why. And, you know, you need to get that off your chest a little bit. So I think he needs yeah. to get that off his chest, too. Right? Yeah, and that's understandable. I mean, I remember him saying that he's shuttering the doors and just couldn't make it work as a full-time gig anymore. And I, that's yeah. totally understandable. And I know a lot of people saying that he retired, but I don't really remember Huck ever saying or writing that he's retiring. Uh, it's just, you know, maybe the full-time toy side is, is, is a done deal, and he's moving on to find other design avenues to lend his talents and skill set to. But... Um, well, he's, it seems like he's coming back, though. I think it was Christmas Eve. I was uh, ToyChronicle.com had done some sleuthing around, and they found out that right. on com there was some sort of cryptic message in a, in a countdown alluding to a potential new company called Super Plastic. And uh, yeah. it's going to be the ex-founder of Kid Robot and Huggy working on something together. And the company's called Super Plastic. You can go to SuperPlastic.com, and there is a countdown 
for May for some sort of release or maybe a multiple releases. Who knows? We did reach out to Huck and Paul for further information. They said no comment at this time, but we will certainly contact you when we're ready. So we're just going to sit tight and uh, excited to see what they have in store. Well, we can't wait. We're excited. We love Huck. We love Huck and we love Paul and, you know, Kid Robot is great. And so for them to come back and do something new, it's, I think I think that, that our industry needs it, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I hope so. And I think so too, because I don't think either one of them would be returning to toys if they didn't have something great in mind. They're not yeah. gonna, they know what it takes to succeed in this kind of strange industry. And they're not just going to come back with something mediocre. I mean, the expectations of them is set pretty high already, especially for Paul making a return. So we'll see. I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We can't wait. They're going to hold on to that being mysterious, like, right until April, May. Like, we're not going to hear anything. No. There's going to be no leaks. No, should we? It should, this is, they're doing it exactly right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? The, the, uh, the mystery of the hype. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Do you guys think it's going to be come out with just one toy release, or do you think they're maybe working with several artists? I hope they're working with a few artists. I hope that they're... Whether they'll come out of the gates like that, I don't know. Paul's involved. I'm sure they have big plans. I hope so. I hope so. What about speaking about big plans, uh, the Clutter Studio, you guys are getting more into producing toys. You had a few releases last year. What You want to give us a little sneak peek at what maybe you have in store for this year? No. All right. Show's over. <laughs> <laughs> what can we tell them about? Um, we're, we're, we're really enjoying making big things right now right i, I mean the thing that's, that's no the thing that's no secret is, that we're working on is the sludge demon with, with, MBH. with mbh yeah yep yeah. so that's it's a two foot by two foot uh i had a uh, blow up of <laughs> yeah. of the original sludge demon so you know the sludge demon is an older figure by by rich and we basically uh you know as part of our studio we scanned it with you know our amazing 3D scanning partner, and we've printed it on our new machines, and we've it's at this point it's all sanded and kind of ready to go. We're about to mold it and getting ready to release it yeah. in uh, in Rotocast resin. Wow! Now why go so big? I know like a lot of collectors are running out of room, and there was there was a trend where everything was going micro and mini, but it seems like even in 2017, I noticed a lot of things are being reincarnated at a larger size. We, like we saw Kusu Vinyl produce Kano's yeah. Dragon King as a 20-inch. Um, Unbox produced um, Paul Kaiju's yeah. Mockbat as like a 31-inch yeah. toy. And then so- you guys are going two foot by two foot. Like, What is the reasoning behind going large scale when a lot of people have less space? Um, it's just cooler to have something big, right? It's fucking awesome. Big. It's more present. It's fucking awesome. And who wants to dust all that <laughs> little shit too? Like, you know... Um, just one big thing. <laughs> I just, well, you know, my, my, I think that there's, how to put this, like, not to just go straight for the economics behind it, but the reality is that people who are collecting larger pieces can afford larger pieces. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. part of our mission has always been to expand the universe of designer toys and bring in more collectors. Mm-hmm. And the way we see forward to break into a more fine art market is through scale. Right. I agree. Yeah, that's. I never thought about that before, but it's, it makes total sense. It's, it's almost to just demanding attention 
Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I, would, I, I don't think I'm putting words in, in Rich's mouth. You know, when you see the sludge demon larger, it's even more fucking amazing. You can mm-hmm. see how cool the sculpt yeah. is. Yeah. It's just rad. And I think that, you know, someone who has no concept of Safubi, right. someone who has no concept of toys, someone who has no concept of lotteries and kaiju and any of the stuff we've talked about, yeah. materials, all this toy talk kind of melts away when you go like, wow, that's an amazing object. Right. Because it just demands attention. And there's a market for that. And there's no reason why somebody wouldn't want to buy a giant Hukji or a giant MVH or a giant Gary Ham or, you know, a giant piece to have in their home. And it's completely outside of the toy talk. Mm-hmm. And it's not, uh, it's not unrelated to the toy talk. And it's not unrelated to the toy fetish and the love. But it's just a way that it's a way we see forward to accomplish the mission. I like it. That's exciting. And we, you know, we're tracking a lot of street artists right now, and we see them selling very large sculptures that come out of the street art world. Mm-hmm. And it's not, um, you know, why would they be successful, but someone who comes from the tour world not be successful at that scale? You know, we just think it makes sense. It's a object versus toy, I guess, right? That we've all, always considered that putting the toy word on top of an object devalues the object. I can see that. Because, you know, the public in general, even art collectors, don't don't assume that a toy is a collectible piece of art. They assume that that's a, a, a play object. In their in their limited rat brains, sure. These silly people who can't understand. <laughs> no, you don't. You, no, you don't want to be knocking down the people who are going to be buying. No, 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 no. And, and I would. I'm, jo- I'm totally. And I'm joking and knocking them. I don't really like to knock anybody. I think that I love. I, you know, I, I just talking about knocking people for a second. <laughs> I love completists. Yeah, yeah. I love insane toy people who have to have everything. I love people. who go into these crazy lotteries and yeah. do it. I think it's amazing. And I also love people who want to collect the biggest, craziest, most outlandish art and don't understand what a toy is. You know, so for us, it's, we love these sculpts. We love these yeah. objects. You know, we love what these artists make. They're our friends. They're our, they're our, uh, our colleagues, you know, and we love what they do and we just, we want to see it out there. Right. So. We're, we're working on a ginormous, like eight feet tall piece that we can't really talk about, but we're, it, you know, it's almost first stage finished and it sits around the gallery and it's fucking ginormous. Yeah, the two, the, the oh two foot gosh. by two foot one is small. Right. Like, yeah, that's child's the, the, play. What we can say about <laughs> so yes, we are making an eight foot tall. Okay, I'm gonna send you a picture right there. Yeah. So the thing that I can say about it is that it's it has five points of articulation. It's it's a full it's a full action figure. And it's eight feet. What are you being? Are you for real a fully articulated eight foot figure? It's fucking crazy, and it's it's really wow. cool. And so we're we're probably going to put it out to the three D printing press crowd first, because that that's how we made it. You know, we scanned an action figure, we've printed it 
on our machines, and we're in the we're in the process right now of fini- you know of doing the 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 surface finishing to it so that it's you know a, fin- a complete object, and then from there we can mold it and and make multiples as as you know requested, I guess. Wow, I mean, I want to see that mold. I mean, you guys are going big or going home because I mean, Teresa, when she first mentioned it was going to be eight foot, did you think she was joking? I, I did. <laughs> I mean, it sounds. Yeah, like, like in my head, I was looking in my space and I'm like, okay, maybe that tall. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. I'm not even six foot. That's taller than me. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. It's a big human. It's a giant, tall human. Okay. (laughs) I'm looking. Miranda just sent me a photo and it's ridiculous. I'm so awesome. It's completely awesome. Gary, I'm five six. So Teresa, in the photo, Josh is standing right next to it. It's like one of those photos where you see like a normal person standing next to Shaquille O'Neal. Like, is that? Big? It's two and a half feet taller than. It's nuts. I, it's <laughs> crazy. At least, I mean, at the same time, like I, yeah. I could see why you called it. I'm not even gonna. I'm gonna say freaking awesome because I don't. <laughs> I don't like nothing. Um, but like, yeah, like if, if it were an artist I absolutely loved and I had the money for it, heck yes. Don't put a giant so, eight foot so, tall toy human in my house. The, the funny thing is to going back to the Huck conversation, you know, there was a giant Huck uh, skull head made that he, that, you know, Huck is still upset about because when it was created, it doesn't fit through doorways. Uh, yeah, I remember that story. Yeah, so this this eight foot tall monster, if you turn it sideways, goes through a door. Nice. I want to put that thing in my front lawn. Dude, it's awesome. No, exactly, exactly. And we've also and and if you you know if you look on our Clutter Studios feed, you'll see that we've been um, we've been pressure casting at, at you know twelve by twelve by twelve, or not twelve by it's twelve by twelve by ten. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing some giant pressure casting as well. So we're wow. we're go really big or kick- go home. I mean, you are owning that exactly. It's he- it's yes. heavy. There's a video of me pulling something out of a out of a twelve by twelve mold, and it's like it's like I'm wrestling it. <laughs> <laughs> I when I was watching the um, the pulls of the mock bat, I mean, the guy's entire yeah, arm was yeah. in this thing. That. It was yeah. insane. Yeah. So what else do you got going on? You want to, so wait, so every year you guys have been doing um, a DTA Dunny show. I don't remember, recall one happening last year. Are you still yeah, doing that? We didn't do one last year. Yeah, yeah, we need. Yeah, we we are still going to do that. Uh, okay. We didn't do one last year just because we were too crazy. There's. Yeah, we was we were supposed to do it for New York Comic Con. There's no time to organize yeah. it. Like New York Comic Con just kind of like sprung up on us. Like we didn't know it was going to be happening in then, October like it then, does every year. <laughs> and honestly, we could do an entire podcast dissecting 2017 New York Comic Con. Oh my God. Yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about it, but I heard you all were just shoved oh in the back corner and I didn't it was, hear too much. It was the, it was, what, what do we call it? It was the way block. The, the way, way block. Back the way, in the way yeah, block. Yeah, the, the way, way block. block there. We were in the um, we were in the loading dock. Yeah. So they put the designer toy community in the loading dock. Which is where it was years ago. 
But years ago, they didn't put ginormous yeah. marketing booths right in front of it, so you couldn't see it. Where our booth, like so where the clutter, where the clutter, where the clutter booth used to be, yeah. became the Uniqlo booth yeah. or the Domo booth. It no, was the Uniqlo. Oh yeah, Domo. It was the Domo Uniqlo, booth. Yeah. And so they basically they sold all of that beautiful space that the block was in to Gillette Giant and Chic and Geico, yeah. Wacom, and Amazon. And the fucked up thing was, people didn't really seem to care. Yeah. Like the fans didn't seem to mind. They were just excited to get like a free stuffed animal from Geico. Yeah, that people were standing up for the Geico bus yeah. down and like, who Ooh. wants cheap insurance? And there'd be a whole crowd going like, oh, I do. And they'd be <laughs> like throwing out plush um, fucking geckos. I, I heard them screaming, who likes money? Really? I, and I throwing stuff that. down. Oh, Jesus. And, and it was very uh, <laughs> running still- man. Yeah. It was weird. Like, it was like we'd crossed some line where people didn't really give a shit what they were experiencing as long as it was sort of free and loud. You know what it was like being in some weird sci-fi movie from the future? Yeah, no, but not even that. Like, the but the the cops. You probably haven't seen them. You haven't seen Running Man because you're I'm doing the talk about the cops. I am 21, I wish. No, but the the police presence this year was just insane too I mean, right after the oh, vegas shootings so it's good there was a huge police yeah. presence but there were bomb dogs there were you know like there were people like metal detectors like, and all yeah but like lines of police like outside the front of the javits was just lines of police cars and police with like ak-47 just lined up yeah it was it was weird yeah. it was weird so what you're saying is you'll be returning next year if everything goes the way we're planning it this year there will be a designer toy community presence during your comic-con uh, outside of the javits center oh really okay yeah no, i was actually gonna maybe suggest that because so, one year during San Diego comic-con a bunch of people did that across the street and it seemed to work out pretty well for them um, but really what you're saying all this stuff is kind of validating why we need Five points fest in designer con. And also, you know, when you walk the floor as a comic book fan, the vast majority of what's there isn't really that, no. you know, isn't that exciting. No. You know, it's pretty barren. And, and I'm not talking about the content. You know, the comic book creators are amazing. And the art from the comic book creators is fantastic. Yeah. And, like, you know, we have a lot of friends who, who do that. And, and their output is fantastic, but when you actually walk the floor, the vast majority of what's there isn't that. No. Well, you know, Reed is a giant company, and it's about their bottom line. So if they can put a big marketing booth from Amazon, e- Echo in there, or a giant Star Wars booth, or a Wacom booth, then why would they want the vintage toy sellers? Or why would they want, you know, the independent artists there? Because the independent artist is going to pay peanuts in comparison to what a Wacom booth is going to pay. True. You know, the fans miss out on their experience. At the end, that's what happens. But until the fans stop start voting with their wallets and stop buying tickets, they're not going to change. Actually, I got an email. You did? From Reed about our participation next year. Oh, that's nice. If they want all, they want everyone out. I don't know. I'm sure Benny's gotten this. I'm sure New Yorkers yeah. have gotten this email. Yeah. But we have to be paid in full by March. Oh. Or we don't get booths. Oh, of course. There you go. Which is, is really tough for... <laughs> tough for you know most of the smaller toy sellers yeah. to like pony up that that far in advance that amount of money too yeah because let's face it new york comic-con isn't cheap and we scaled back to one booth this year 
which was awful. Yeah. It was awful. We usually have be, three boots, so yeah. one was really. Oh, I didn't know you reduced that much. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I think the charges any less. They were like, yeah, you're in the back and it's more money. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Sure. <laughs> So we were talking about the DTA Dunny show that you guys did. And then last year you released the DTA Dunny series. And I heard a lot of great, you know, there's a great response to that series, yeah. I think. Do you plans for a second series? There, there is plans for a second series, but it won't be for another year, I don't think. That was the cycle, right? Yeah. I think it's another year before there's another um, DTA series. Do you have to wait until the next custom show that you do and the designs will be selected uh, from that series? Or no, I think it's more out? about kids' robot schedule and not just – you know, putting the same series out. Yeah, and I don't think they have. They don't have any interest in repeating something so that it feels right. repetitive. Yeah. I think that they want to do things that feel fresh. So when people have kind of like forgotten to an extent that you know, not forgotten, but sort of like when there's a desire again, right? I think that's when yeah. it'll happen. Yeah. And I would, I would, so imagine, you- I imagine that you- something like that would come out in like 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't do you not do you expect that the next series won't follow the same idea of all the designs being based off customs? Will it be it a different? Probably, probably will follow the same kind of vein, um, but I don't know right this second. I mean, so, and there's still a ton of amazing designs from the DTA Dunny shows that I haven't know, been made. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we'll, we'll plan the next custom show for this year. Maybe we'll do it at five points actually. That would be awesome. Yeah, would be, yeah, that would be a yeah. great venue for it. That just allow more fans to be able to see some of those amazing customs. Well, you guys kind of did that at New York Comic Con one year, right? You had a, a Dunning event there too. We did, and, and yeah, and it really worked well. really well. That was the first time we did a custom show at a convention. And my experience of custom shows at conventions have always been a little like, oh, it didn't really work. But that one really worked at at, um, at New York Comic Con. So well, the yeah. space was great. Space the was work great. was great. Yeah. And it just, it was, it, it sold like gangbusters. I think also because the Dunn is such a recognizable figure, you know, across not just the designer toy market, but outside of that, that that really helped the New York Comic Con venue because people understood the Dunny. So it was an easy way to transition into a yeah. custom. It was an easy way to explain to people that didn't know our world. So. Yeah, that makes sense. But I mean, honestly, it seems like in general, custom shows during events is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Because I mean, remember how many there were at Designer Con? You're right. Can you say this was my first Designer Con in 2017 and it was fucking awesome? I'd never been. I can't believe you've never been. That's really shocked me when I heard that. Crazy, right? But, um, you know, kids and all that stuff meant that I never But I mean, Miranda tells stories about. Toy Fair yeah. and what Toy Fair was like what back Toy in the Fair day. Used to be. Yeah. So like Miranda has like a whole OG experience around. Toy Fair was like a giant party. It wasn't even like a convention because you know Toy Fair isn't open to the public. So it was such a vastly different experience back in you know 2004, 2005, 2006. What that was like being on you know at Toy Fair with all you know Strange Co and Kid Robot and friends with you and. Yeah, like Miranda has a really uh, amazing set of experiences from the beginning of the scene, and then, unfortunately, for in your life experience, like <laughs> right when designer con started becoming the thing, thing. Yeah. Miranda went, went into, into baby making mode. Yeah. So she's just coming out of it, so it's it's a, totally seems weird, but it's like 
It's a two-way street, though, Josh. You sort of helped with that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, went to design a company well, as I was saying, putting things inside of other things <laughs> is just human nature. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Designacon was awesome. I loved it. You know, they do a fantastic job. It's it's a great event. Yeah, Ben kills it. Yeah, he does. It's amazing. He, yeah. Yeah, and they're making a move next year as well to so Anaheim. Yeah. So that Looking looking forward to that, too, because they, they've outgrown the space, and it's time for them to move on. And I Next year is going to be awesome as well. Which is only, you know, it's a good demonstration for everybody that everything's growing. That's just fucking amazing. I love it. Yeah. And do you think that growth of the conventions is translated in, into the community and the sales of designer toys and all? And do you feel like it seems like 2017 was a significantly better year? It was significantly bigger than the previous year. I think last year there was a lot of uh, scared people in the market you know the whole trump thing really threw everything into question last year and so there was a big time there where people didn't know what to do with their money i think um it definitely picked up towards the end of the year people mm. like fucking spend my money anyway and the amount of releases i mean i think it's a, largely due to the asian market but so many releases yeah. last year yeah i was gonna say asian thing for sure what do you think what are your predictions for the next year mm. what do you think we're gonna see see next year really big pieces eight feet tall (laughs) (laughs) we'll see that um i think we're gonna see more small safubi yeah the micros oh yeah so like the people getting into like the 20 dollar under market more when we do a show with micros like it it everybody loves micros not just the toy collectors you know People will just walk into the gallery and be like, oh, this is awesome, this tiny little thing. And it's a, a, an easy access point for people to jump in and start collecting from. So the micros will open us up to a big... How big are we talking when you say micros? Are you talking like the finger puppet size? Maybe yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, so what would be what would be an example? I'm trying to picture one, like a micro Sofubi. Um, Have you seen any of Rampage Toys little guys? So he's, he has like... Yo, know, cats in cars, people in cars. Um, yeah. I'm like getting tired now. It's like quarter to 12, so. <laughs> Names of things are starting to escape me. I'm kind of thinking of what, um, something that maybe you can think of, Teresa, is the ice cream dino. You know how they kind of did that super mini micro version? Yeah. I think that's the kind of size we're, we're talking about. Something that's really tiny. Okay. Or like the mini, the mini Logans, you know, the the one and a half and under size. Yeah, yeah I mean, like and, the and, the, figures and again, small, right? you know, it comes back to economics. Like, that's a great way for people to, you know, a creator can make a lot of them and sell a lot of them, and it helps move a product from a from a store. You know, so mm-hmm. buy a bunch of things for you know ten twenty dollars, maybe buy something else. Mm-hmm. So, it's the maturation of people, you know. Trying to pay their mortgages. Yeah. You know, I'm all for it because I like small toys, so. Yeah, but you got too many as it is. I think we, you and I both need to upgrade to the eight-foot toys. <laughs> yeah, toys but then we'll, want, we'll have like a room full of them. Surrounded by my figures. <laughs> Hell yeah, I would love to walk into the house one day and just have four-foot, eight-foot, you know, beautiful art objects displayed in the house. That'd be amazing. But for now, it's just smaller toys. No. Hey guys, I have to bounce. I've been texting. Okay. But Josh can stay, but the baby's awake, so I've got to go. Okay. 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 Do you need me to like? All right. Thanks for joining, Miranda. We can kind of wrap it up if you guys want okay. to. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
yeah, let's get you guys back on when it's closer to Five Points Fest and all your other things going on. We can talk talk to you guys again in uh, a few months. Sounds great. All right. Thanks, Josh and Randa. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. We love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Buying toys, everybody. We love you. Peace. <laughs> all right. Have a good night. Good night. Bye. There we go. Gary, we didn't do any outros. Where are we supposed to find them? Should we do their outro? <laughs> sure, we'll do their <laughs> outro. So, Josh and Miranda, uh, you you want to play them? You want to be them? I'm not gonna play. I'm gonna play him. <laughs> Come on, we'll do some role play. I'll be Josh. You be All Miranda. Right. I can't do her accent though. Oh no, you got yeah, you got to do the Brit accent. All right, what is a British accent? Uh, say, do it for me, and I'll try to copy you. <laughs> Am I British? <laughs> I'm like Cheerio. You can find our website clattergallery.com. Do, do I sound like Miranda? You, you sound quite proper. I don't think I do. I don't know how to sound like this. Well, try a spot of tea, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we sound terrible. All right, why don't you just say it, as Teresa? Okay. So well, boring. Oh my gosh. Well, since Miranda and Josh had to drop, we wanted to make sure you knew where to find them. Um, so if you want, you can check them out at cluttermagazine.com. And they're also on Instagram uh, at Clutter Magazine, as well as at Five Points Fest. If you want to check out their uh, event that will be coming up. It's June this time, right, Gary? Yep. June 2nd and 3rd. Okay. And then... Okay, if you want to shop Clutter, it's just shop.cluttermagazine.com. So. Cool. And where can people find you, Teresa? Well, of course, if you all want to find me, um, check me out on Instagram. My username is tmhawk24. And I am Gary Ham. You can find me at superham.com or Gary Ham on Instagram. This has been the first episode of Season 3 of the Marsham Toy Hour. We hope to do this probably not every week this season, but we'll do our best. <laughs> Uh, so until our next transmission, we're signing off. Cheerio. Bye. <laughs>